Call the neighbors and fetch the kids. It's time for Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. From connected cars to electric planes, Ken and Sasha have the information to keep you well informed. So get ready, get set, and go. Here's Ken and Sasha. Real facts, real opinions, and real talk. Welcome to Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. I'm Ken Chester in studio with my co-host and tech geek at extraordinaire, Sasha Little. Just so you know, we're not a car show in the pure sense. We talk about all kinds of transportation, from regular gasoline-powered cars to electric aircraft and everything in between. We take the time to explain in easy-to-understand terms the new and evolving technology, which is currently in your vehicle, as well as what's coming in the near future. From safety news to insurance, best buys in the marketplace to autonomous cars, we have you covered. And this hour is no exception. Privacy issues, electric SUVs, and a look at the new 2019 Toyota Corolla hatchback. <laughs> yes, I said a hatchback. will be covered, discussed, and perhaps even debated. As always, we want you to be part of the conversation. Call or text the show via the Roadworthy Driveline, that number, 872-222-9793. If you would rather communicate by email, that address is ken at roadworthydrive.net. We want to hear from you. So, howdy, Sasha. Hello How How you doing? Uh, You know, the weather, the weather, sir. Mm-hmm. The weather, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You're going to mention four-letter words you know, FCC. That's all I got for <laughs> you. Don't be mentioning stuff like that on the show. It's a family show. Uh, it is. It is. And and some would say family activities occur in, in, in this kind of weather, uh, like snow angels and, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. snowmen mm-hmm. are Sno- made. I told you about those four-letter words. <laughs> yes. And yet... I have to drive in it in my 2002 Pontiac Montana. And bless it. Right. It, and it, it bless, it. bless it. But can I uh, can I bring up an alternative? Maybe. E- e- go for it. To to bring up to the suits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been an electric pickup truck revealed. Are, are you talking about the Tesla pickup? I, I am. Well, you know, um, no, we're, we are just not going to talk about the Tesla. Oh, oh wait a minute. Yes, the sir. Bollinger pickup. I, we talked about that. You too. know, I've got some love for Bollinger. I hope I, so. I, I, I mean, I've got some love and, and I'm, I'm right there with them. But there is another truck that has caught my eye. What? I uh... wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Does Bollinger know? I mean, they know that I'm looking for them for like a family Do vehicle. Do they know? They know that I'm still there for a family vehicle. But this this new truck, the Revion. Mm-hmm. The, the Revion. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, you're going all French on me now. I, I am. We mm-hmm. have to make it sound. I mean, we could just call it the Rivian. Uh-huh. Uh, well, what, what about this truck? Anyway, it's, it's all electric, sir. Okay. Uh, uh, it, it's four-wheel drive. Stop it. It gives me a range of 400, sir. Uh, range of 400, what, 400 feet? 400 feet, yes. 400 feet per charge. 400 miles. Really? 400 miles. Uh-huh. Well, then. With, with one with one charge. Okay. Well, this must be like a little truck. It is not. Like, it is a full-size truck. A full-size. Full-size no. truck. Now, I can't remember what the actual towing capacity was on this, and I know that they gave, like, a readout on, but it blew me away so much that I'm actually kind of doubting it a little bit. 
Like well, I'm, I'm hoping that they're not lying to me. Well, let me let me equip you with a few things. Okay. Uh, you're talking about the truck that was introduced uh, this year at the L.A. Auto Show just yes. recently. Yes. They call it the probably... Rivian R1T, and this is not a hybrid, folks. No. It's a pure electric. Yes. One hundred percent. But what sets this one off a little bit is it doesn't have one engine. Doesn't have two engines. No. It has four. One at each wheel. Now, this is a lot like the electric supercars that I saw in New York that right? did the same thing. Yes, that's right. They all had um they all had the engines in each wheel. Electric engines and, in each wheel. But mm-hmm. with this one, they're getting now, I'm curious because I'm not sure if the article, the articles that I read didn't address this, but when they're talking 400 mile range, mm-hmm. is that towing my camper 400 miles range? Does it go down similar to gas mileage in a gas power? Let me go a little further. Please and this do This might so. help put this in perspective. Okay. That 400 miles of range uh-huh. is each engine, which is 147 kilowatt engines. Whew. Each wheel, not combined people. Right, right. Each wheel. Each wheel. Generates 800 horsepower. Mm. And, and over that's... twenty, almost 2,600 foot-pounds of torque, which is unheard of. And which is why, I mean, I, I'm not sure I, I'm waiting to actually see that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm waiting. It's one thing to tout it. And if... That is actually correct. If we have now an electric truck that is that completely quadruples, yeah, I'm I'm waiting. They even this thing is so advanced. They've even created its own unofficial vehicle class. They don't call it a pickup truck, although it looks like a very stylish pickup truck. It does, yeah. Uh, kind of a cross between a variety of gasoline power trucks you've seen, but more streamlined. Um, They actually call it an electric adventure vehicle. And rightfully so, sir. Rightfully so. Um, They want to bring to the public a type of vehicle that's never been introduced before. Now, did you actually watch the video on it? I have not. There is a video, and it shows the storage compartments in this thing. Mm -hmm. So behind, and I'm not sure in this particular video, it did not show like a back seat area. Okay. Okay. So I'm not sure, but in that picture it showed where it might have like a backseat door well, right there. Well, it's showing as, as a four-door crew cab pickup right. with a short box. But in that compartment right there at mm. your back wheel well, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that's actually hollow. Really? And they put a canoe. What? They put a canoe in that spot. Across behind the... Yes. Whoa. Right. I mean, when they're talking... And then underneath the hood where we would normally see... The uh, the engine, mm-hmm. it's more trunk space. Okay. So, th- but that that is kind of common to all of these electric no, no, no. trucks, though. What I'm saying is that it kind of um, where they were talking it as an adventure vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yes, because they've got you're able to put everything in there, and I, I'm curious. I, I can't well, wait. Let me let me throw at you some more here, which is more the. Uh, performance statistics that right. they're talking about. That they are thinking that it's going to do. Uh, actually, that they're saying it will do. I know. Um, they're saying zero to 60 mm. in three seconds. Yep. Zero to 100 in seven seconds. I need to test Th- that. That this thing can tow <laughs> 11,000 pounds. Yep. And with its largest battery pack, over 400 miles of range between charges 
And as an added benefit, half of that, or 200 miles, can be added in just 30 minutes via a fast charging system. Now, I'm just, I mean, when I was looking at the video, the only thing that I could think of was construction, construction, construction. Um, because of what it's capable of doing, because of the storage, because of the miles. I, I mean, it was just something that that's what just kept coming up into my mind. I mean, as well as a family vehicle. Mm-hmm. Well, they're talking about a heck of a ride in terms of a double wishbone front suspension and a multi-link rear suspension, which is more in line with some of your best luxury cars. Right. Uh, it will have an, a ride adjust a ride height adjustable air suspension system and be able to afford uh, water. Uh, basically, they say one meter deep, which I think is about three feet. Is it? Yeah. I, you know, I'm yeah, not. I'm not. Metric, sorry. Uh, but here's here's the best part. Tell them about the price. Wait a minute. I'm going to oh, get to that. Come on. It's going to offer over-the-air software updates like Tesla. Just like Tesla. And become and come equipped with a full hardware suite that the day that truck is delivered in your driveway is what we would consider a highly automated vehicle. It's not semi-autonomous. It's two levels below that. Aww. And they call, they call that highly automated automated but it's close it means it's conditionally autonomous kind of like ProPilot with nissan some of your hyundai things that you've experienced right right it's at that level okay and All it right. starts there remember starts there and remember the word over the air software update but will it be capable of fully autonomous if with- over the air updates software right. updates and you're starting with level three autonomy i okay. would say yes and now to get to your answer yes sir $61,500 after the federal tax credit. Yeah. They're expecting deliveries to start in late 2020, and they feel that fully equipped vehicles with the highest performance level and largest battery pack will enter production first. Yes, they will. And that would be their 180-kilowatt-hour pack. That gives you the 400-mile range, and then they'll get down to the 230-mile range within 12 months of production, which obviously would be lower. And you can pre-order it with a defundable deposit of $1,000. So more information there. And we will uh, keep track of this, particularly if Sasha ends up getting her hands on one. <laughs> yes, sir. When we return, government surveillance and hackers. Is your car safe? Do stay tuned. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. You're listening to Roadworthy Drive. I want to show you something. This is a Plymouth Plain. It's got so much room. It holds six big, gorgeous men. This is something I like in a car. Acclaim. First-class travel for the price of coach. From Plymouth. That's right. Plymouth. If you're just tuning in, this is Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester, together with Sasha Little. And from what I understand, Sasha liked that commercial. I I, I mean, I, I like when she's like six beautiful men. 
Tina Turner. It is all I'm saying. Tina Turner. It takes six men. Oh, my. Tina Turner. Yeah. Anyway, we're so glad you decided to spend this hour with us. And we're going to get right to it. And the first topic is privacy. Now, regular listeners know that this is a real sensitive topic for us here on the show. So much information is being shared about each of us, often without our knowledge and or consent. Even when the powers that be claim to inform us of our rights, you know, blah, 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 blah. Those pages of fine print that you couldn't possibly take the time to read, especially in the multitude of interactions we have with apps and programs and all of them saying, oh, well, here, read the fine print. Uh, yeah, that's not happening in well, real I was watch I was listening to something on NPR this morning, and this lady was talking about that in a lot of times... You actually need, like, it's written at a college level, like, degree level, te- you know, wording. And six-point type. Yeah, and <laughs> they expect you to understand it all. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where they do that on purpose, people. Yeah, but think On of, purpose. But think about this. You've got your computer, your ISP, the apps that you use, all coming up with, well, this is our thing, and you need to read it. Honestly... With as much tech as we have in our lives right now. Yep. The reality, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could go one place, set all your settings one time, and that all your apps, all your interactions, all anything that you would go to would have to bounce off that where you just set it once and said, this is what I will allow. This is what I'm comfortable with sharing. This is what I'm not comfortable sharing. This is what I want to opt into. This is what I want to opt out of. Set it once and forget it. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're not there yet. And, you know, as I asked in the, in the, in the, in, at the end of the last segment, mm-hmm. um, is your car safe? If you're on, typically, if you own a car that is seven years old or newer, you might, it's considered to be a connected car. And what that means is it has the ability to connect to the internet one way or another, either as a hotspot. Or as communication, uh, OnStar is a perfect example. I was going to ask you if you're including OnStar because mine is a 2002 and technically has OnStar. It does, but it's not at the level connectivity-wise in terms of the uplink and downlink information that it's sharing. I can, they could still send navigational instructions that will keep my car, like it will guide me like the way Google Maps will guide me. Does it have the ability to unlock your car remotely? Do you oh, have, I have that? to ask her. Yeah. I mean, I, I know. know in later years it does. I don't know it for the year that your vehicle is that it had that capability because a lot of this added. Um, to give an example. Right. Uh, there was a recent um, uh, show in Dubai uh, where senior officials from a variety of security firms showed how easy and unfortunately how cheap it is to break into expensive modern cars and even control them remotely now they wait, use, wait. yes i could have sworn we did one where they said that it wasn't like the 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 uh they had attempted to take control and all they could do was uh turn we, the wheel once yeah, and, and that was that was getting it. that was getting direct control. Right. Uh, they're using different examples. Oh. Like for example, vehicle systems use engine immobilizers to protect them by theft using specific numbers de- delivered by a key foe. Yep. Uh, if you know these numbers, you can pretend the key is in the vehicle and get the vehicle to start itself. But you got to be close enough to do that. And 
Here's the scary part. We can find those numbers by searching some vehicle schematics online. My question is, what are they doing online? Okay, but here's the thing. For those of you out there that have wireless modems, and for some of you that are techies like me, you used to be able to have the same thing. I mean, right now, you go to the store, you buy a wireless modem, and it's going to have what they call the the uh, master key for the password and everything else in case you forget your password. Well, guess what? I could type in your, uh, your um, wireless router online. If you knew it. If I knew it. Type in the or get the master key, log into your wireless router from another location, and now I've got all your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this particular conference was called Hack in a Box. Oh, um, yes, yes. This is it. And now another way they do it is to send data from a laptop to what they call a non-learned key phobe to link or a blank key phobe link to give the car access and they can be bought unfortunately mm-hmm. cheaply on ebay or from a vehicle dealer yep so cloning key phobes is one way accessing a vehicle's computer via laptop is becoming easier as more and more of the controls are being linked to a central onboard computer now they used a jeep 4x4 in the hack in a box conference demonstration and we've covered that on this show a couple years ago where we said that actually the Mopar system was the first recall due to um, potential hacking compromise that NHTSA mandated. Well, and see, it sounds a lot like basically they're taking the credit card technology. Remember when, um, when uh, let's see, those, those key cards that hotels had, mm-hmm. they had to get be very, very vigilant mm-hmm. of where those cards went because people were making them into credit cards and using them at wherever. So, I mean, it sounds like they're taking that exact same technology and now just applying it to vehicles. Well, let me throw this at you. They said this could be stopped cold by just adding a second stage authentication for the driver, such as a PIN code to start a vehicle, and that would help reduce the car's vulnerability. But those are hackers. What happens when it's the government? Oh, let I me know throw it. this in, in the time we've got before the break. Yeah. Uh, more than 200 manufacturers. That's Tesla, Volkswagen, BMW, Daimler, Ford, GM, Nissan, Mitsubishi, and a dozen other companies transmit position information and doesn't and at least 61 other data points in China. China requires them to do it. Here's what scares me. Mm hmm. If they build the technology into the cars to provide it to China, what is stopping somebody from having the ability, whether it is an add-on programming uh, or an add-on system? And we don't know. They don't explain it. But it scares me that if it's available for one car somewhere in the world for that manufacturer, it can be replicated elsewhere by what we would call bad actors. Now, China declares that they're not using it for nefarious purposes, but they can tell everything about where you've been, where you're going, where you are now, amidst other things in terms of vehicle speed, all sorts of things. But basically, if they want to know where you are in China and you own an electric car, they know by law. And all these manufacturers currently give them that access. That alone makes me nervous. But I wanted to share that really quick. Because it generally happens without the car owner's knowledge. Things to be remember. Coming up, 
are or will electric SUVs ever be a thing? We explore. Don't even think of touching that dial. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. This is Roadworthy Drive. Roadworthy Drive with Ken and Sasha in studio for the hour. For those of you who want to learn more about the show, check out RoadworthyDrive.com. Find out all sorts of things, behind-the-scenes antics, podcasts, past shows, and so much more. For those of you who are truly mobile, you can find us on Google Play. You can also find us with the very fine folks of Podcast IA. Be sure to check out their other amazing podcasts that you can find there. For you social media folks out there, we have a special treat for those who like us on Facebook, a social media-only show called Wheels of Non-Consent. Yeah, Yeah, but, I mean, there hasn't really been cars for the Wheels of Non-Consent. But, you know, there are some out there already that they can go listen to. Yes, and you know what? And there will be some in the future. And I'm thinking what I'm going to start doing with you for you guys is I'm going to be loading up, like, my bloopers... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, heavens no. Yes. Heavens I, no. I think it's important that you guys understand that it's not just one take and, oh, here it is. I forget names. I forget packages. I, honestly, I, I think that they need to probably hear you driving in the weather uh, thing like oh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, I think oh, they need some of that. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely some wheels of non-consent. <laughs> that is definitely. And see... That was some weather of non-consent. That was some weather of non-consent. And Mm -hmm. that actual is going to be going on again uh, today Mm -hmm. on my way home. See, now that would be some wheels as you (laughs) deal with (laughs) weather. I'm just saying. I'm just just saying. I get one of my my, uh, cell phone arms that I use and just kind of hook it up and just go live on YouTube. Well, there you go. Yeah, if you want to see Sasha uh, in real time, (laughs) it's wheels of non-consent and you're going to want to. Check that out. Yes. Now, another thing that we talk about here on the show a lot is uh, pure what we call pure electric vehicles. Now, we ain't talking hybrids. We ain't no. talking some you know extended range vehicle. We're talking about pure electrics. And right now, with the technology being what it is, graphene aside, moment Love for graphene. graphene. Moment for graphene. Mm. Uh, would be battery, po- battery, what they call a battery electric today. Defined as a lithium-ion battery pack p- generating electricity for electric motors. And that's the big thing. The question is, will electric uh, SUVs breathe new life into the electric car market? We here at Roadworthy Drive, we say in a sounding, yes, absolutely. And here is why. Um, right now. Yes. We realize that the market's moving towards trucks and SUVs. Well, and uh, you know, as a consumer market, so what you're saying? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, wouldn't it make sense that at least in the body style that people are preferring, that if you now had an added advantage of an electrically propelled vehicle, particularly as they come to grip as they come to grips with mm-hmm. the range, right? Range and charging, yeah, are the big things now. I'm going to take issue with people in the industry. They think that 
the analysts that follow this stuff don't think that that would be enough. Now, see, here's my thing. And this is why Bollinger, as I stated before. And Rivian. And no, Bollinger would be my family vehicle because it is an SUV. Uh-huh. Um, and I can use it as such. Mm-hmm. Whereas Rivian would be my, that would be my personal car. It would truck. just be a f- pickup truck. Right. Mm-hmm. It'll be my adventure vehicle. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't necessarily think that, um, I think that if they made electric vehicles available in SUV style in the pickup truck, I think that people are going to be more amped to buy that. Again, don't give me none of this. A uh, hundred and twenty mile range, no. six hours to charge though, no. and then be shocked when it you know fails. Yeah, I think it boils down to three things. Yep, resolve range anxiety. You give me four hundred or more miles, I'm in. Right, because that's your average tank of gas anyway. Right. Now, well, not really. Average tank of gas would really run between three fifty and four fifty. What I'm saying for is for pickup trucks okay. and for your SUVs. Sure. Second thing, um. With the evolution of fast chargers and some ultra-fast chargers that right. Porsche is talking about, right? Uh, if you're looking at minutes, like we talked about graphene last week, yes, we did. Uh, this could be the game changer. Yep. If they ever get that perfected in the next ten to fifteen years, it's game on. The third thing that I think will make these doable is uh, price. Right now, um, automakers are getting a premium for electric vehicles that are partially offset by the EV credit that the government's given. But here's the thing. We talked about, I believe it was two, three weeks ago, Mm -hmm. how the automakers have said, you know what? We're taking a whole different approach. Um, We are going to approach this in a way where these vehicles are profitable from unit one off the line. In other words, it's not going to be some little line building a few. We're going to dedicate entire assembly plants to build these things so we can get the cost um, of these vehicles down. Do those three things, and I think that it's game on. Oh, yeah. Particularly the beautiful thing about an electric vehicle on top of fuel moving parts, no fluids, they don't break, is that it allows the manufacturers different packaging options. So when you get an SUV that it's electric generated, you have a lot more space to haul stuff. Yes, you do. In so many different ways and could literally be built almost custom to what your needs are as a consumer for what you're looking for in a vehicle in ways that current SUVs and current vehicles are not able to do because of their packaging. Primarily, they've got an engine in front, a transmission, a rear axle. All of that intrudes in the passenger compartment that limits what they can do based on the platform. So, um couple of things. Ford plans to deliver 13 new electrified models in the next five years. Yes, they do. GM's going to roll out 20. BMW 25. Even Aston Martin expects that EVs will account for 25% of what they build by 2030. And if projections are correct, we're talking about 400 electrified models on the road available to consumers by 2025 that's 300 more than are on the road today and i think that as you get more and more um because again against all that you're going to have used evs coming Mm -hmm. on the market Mm -hmm. as more and more electric vehicles come out so as far as and honestly you and i have talked about this at length Mm -hmm. off air Mm -hmm. what's going to drive this is not going to be 
your upper class. Mm -mm. It's going to be your middle class struggling. We've got beaters right now. Like, you know, hello, my 2002 Montana. But it runs. (laughs) Bless her. Bless her. And and, and you own it. Right? I own it. Mm -hmm. Straight out. But uh, if I had the opportunity tomorrow to pick up an an electric vehicle, pure electric vehicle, that would get me at least 300 miles a gallon. 300 miles a gallon. Between charges. Yeah, between charges. Mm-hmm. And I could fit all myself and my children in it. Mm-hmm. I would do it. I, I would spend the money for that. I, I need at least 400 miles. But if, if you were 350 to 450, I'm in. And if yeah. the price is comparable, and that's the challenge right now, if the price is comparable, I think the market's going to blow up. And the way this is going with all the automakers coming to market with this stuff, uh, I, I'm going to call the pundits wrong on this one, and you're going to want to stay tuned because I really think that electric SUVs are, in fact, going to take off. Coming up, an overview of the 2019 Toyota Corolla Hatchback SE. You don't want to miss this. Real facts, real opinions, real talk. We are Roadworthy Drive. If you're just tuning in, this is the fourth and final segment for this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester with my co-host Sasha Little, and welcome. Before we talk, tackle the last topic, a couple of programming notes. Hour number two, and in case you didn't know, we do have an hour number two Roadworthy Drive, uh, features that hot new segment, Tech with Sasha, hosted by our own Sasha Little, the show favorite. Yes, and this week I chose Robots, Robots, Robots. Mm-hmm. Yes, and there's mobility in there somewhere, right? Well, of course robots are mobile. Otherwise, why would you even have it? Yeah. In any case, folks, <laughs> uh, you're gonna want it. You're gonna want to listen. If your favorite station doesn't carry our number two of Roadworthy Drive, no worries. You can listen to it on our website, and that's roadworthydrive.com. Now, the second programming note I have before we get to the topic at hand is General Motors has been in the news lately announcing plant closings and thousands of potential layoffs. Despite what it looks like at first. This represents a major departure for GM and not just General Motors, but the rest of the automotive industry. I plan to vote for a star next week to explain why and what that means for the American motorist, because it's different and it's a really clue about how GM is making itself and where not just GM, but the industry is going and how it's going to affect you and your mobility choices in the future. So this is information you won't find anywhere else. So you're going to want to be sure to tune in. And that's next week right here on Roadworthy Drive. Now, as you all know, occasionally on a, well, semi-regular basis, I get vehicles to review. And I get all sorts of vehicles to review. I get expensive vehicles, I get SUVs, trucks, cars, uh, econoboxes, minivans, crossovers, the like. Um, This week, I was fortunate to get my hands on the 2019 Toyota Corolla Hatchback SE. Um, Now, you might ask why um, in this world uh, where we've just reported on uh, that the industry is going to SUVs and crossovers and pickup trucks, why Toyota would uh, redesign their hatchback, which, by the way, started life as a Scion IM in the last couple of years, the Scion's existence, for those of you that might remember Toyota's kind of young people's car division. Um, 
this year for 2019, it goes to a new platform, uh, Toyota's global platform, and it gets totally redesigned. It's longer, it's wider, it's got a new engine. And I'm going to tell you, I love the car. I loved the car. And the thing that blew me away, uh, first of all, was the fuel economy. Uh, this vehicle has an EPA fuel economy of 32 city, and get this now, 42 highway. Now, 42 highway with a regular gasoline engine, automatic transmission, um, with no kind of hybrid or electric or anything. This is a gasoline engine with no tricks. 42 miles to the gallon. And I'm going to tell you that the car lives up to that because I was driving it and I got hundreds of miles uh, basically on a tank of gas and drove it for the week. The interesting thing for me, it is so sophisticated as a vehicle that I thought that it was towards the high end of the spectrum. Come to find out, it's uh, one below the middle of the spectrum for the Corolla hatchback. Did it's, it have lane keep assist? Yes. Did it have uh, the smart cruise? Yes. Oh. Uh, it came loaded. Uh, to follow up on what Sasha's saying, uh, toy well, to back up a little bit, Toyota's made a commitment to safety and it's decided to make a lot of things standard that is very often extra cost on other cars. Like, for example, full speed range dynamic uh, Radar cruise control, standard. Lane, uh, let me read this, I'm reading. Lane departure alert with steering assist, standard. Lane trading assist, standard. Automatic high beams, standard. Read sign assist, standard. In addition to vehicle stability control, traction control, analog brakes, uh, electric uh, brake force control, um, and what they call smart stop technology, in addition to not two, not four, but seven airbags, all standard. And that's including Bluetooth and the other things you would expect. Now, for a vehicle totally redesigned, new engine, new transmission, new body style, that you'd expect for an upscale vehicle being a Toyota, you would think it's a little pricey. But I found this vehicle and really didn't want anything. Um, Sasha would beg the difference because it didn't have her panoramic roof. This car with freight came in at 23639 And I thought it was a bargain. And it blew my mind that it was not the top of the line. I thought it was when I drove it and found out that it wasn't. And that was pretty amazing. The car is solid driving. I found it to be stable on the road, quiet behind the wheel, uh, everything was at my fingertips, which I really enjoyed. I didn't have to go looking for anything. Not it, that you're taking lines from, you know, when I would talk about it. No, I would never do that. Right. No, uh-uh. <laughs> Not. In any case, uh, just very, very impressed with this car that I'm really thinking, if you're looking for a hatchback, if you're looking for a hatchback with that kind of quality, because obviously uh, the quality doesn't hurt, the ride was great, it handled well. I, I just really enjoyed it all the way around. I really didn't find anything to really fuss about. Now, honestly, being a small car, uh, it is not particularly uh, roomy in the back seat. I would not try to stick two adults back there. Right. So it's in no way possibly do with like a family car. I think a young family just starting out with maybe a so couple like of a babies. Baby, yeah. Like no leg room. So obviously not something that you would want to keep for like seven years. Uh, it ended up being a second car. 
or a commuter car at like 42 miles car. a gallon, uh, that car be kept. And the yeah, fact but- that it's a Toyota, 250,000 miles, not even break a sweat. Okay, but by the same token, in seven years, there's going to be hybrid and more, um, shall we say, cheaper outlooks as far as gasoline with your electric vehicles. Well, So, I mean, why would you? You would keep it because you would own it by that time, and it would be a great second car. Yeah, maybe. Uh, Because your next car, first of all, would there be a question that you'd even buy it in terms of ride share, ride hailing, and everything else we see coming down the road? Number one. I live in rural, so uh-huh. if you're worried about like gas mileage, that would be rural. Uh, yeah, Not canvas. So- right? I'm just saying. You'd probably have a second car. My son-in-law and my daughter just did this, and he went from a little subcompact to a mid-sized family car. She went from a subcompact car to a small crossover. Yeah, but they only have how many children? They've got two kids, and they're growing like weeds. They're going to be really tall, right? And they've they live in town. They do, but the yeah. point the point I'm making is, as you evolve, this car could still have life as a great commuter car. Uh, it would be paid for by then. You'd be getting more value than you could ever want. I'm just saying that it's an excellent choice um, for for a vehicle if you're looking to drive and not pay a lot of money and want a little room, but don't want to own a, a crossover SUV. I would nominate the Toyota Corolla hatchback, and I'd opt for the SE trim. That's all the time we have for this week. On behalf of Sasha and myself, thanks for listening. See you next time. Roadworthy Drive is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive radio network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of Roadworthy Drive Productions Incorporated.